Another parable spake he, meaning Jesus, to them, meaning a congregation gathered at the Sea of Galilee. The kingdom of heaven is like, and that is an important phrase. It keeps appearing in this passage of Scripture. The kingdom of heaven, and I'll explain that in brief as, as, a, as a reference and as a review as we get into the message. The kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken to the prophet, meaning the psalmist in Psalm 78 and 2, I believe it is, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Father, we're thankful today for the glorious privilege of being in the house of God, to be a part of that, to be a part of that entity that you purchased with your blood, empowered by your spirit, entrusted with your word is an amazing privilege and honor. It's a gift, God, to be birthed into your family. And I'm thankful for that. Thankful for my brothers and sisters that are here. Thankful for the songs that have been sung, the testimonies given, and the fellowship that we've had. What a wonderful day. It'll be like the songwriter said when all of God's children get home. But Father, maybe there's someone in here this day that, Lord, if they die, they don't know if sure they're going to heaven. They may live with a hope so, or I don't know so, but God, may this be the day, Lord, that like Peter said, they make their calling, election sure. Save the lost, reclaim the backslider, and we'll praise you, God, for the outcome because we ask it. That name, the name of your son Jesus, our Savior, and all God's people said, Amen. Verse 33 gives us the fourth parable in this series of seven. Some people say eight that we find in the book of Matthew. This is the, this is the fifth message that I've preached in this series. And believe me, it is one of the most important. In fact, a man by the name of J. Vernon McGee says that Matthew is the key book of the Bible. He said chapter 13 is the key book of Matthew and verse 33 is the key verse of chapter 13. So it's one of the most important messages, verses that we find in the entire Word of God. Where are you at, Judy Keller? Raise your hand really quick. Where are you at? She downstairs. downstairs. Well, I was going to say... That's one of the times I talk about one of my favorite verses that I've got Bible to back it up. Amen. But as we look at this parable, friend, I want us to remember that these parables have a purpose. They show what was to take place on planet earth during the time that Jesus had been rejected until the time that he returns and is exalted. They show what will take place under the umbrella of what is known as Christendom. These parables are not, everybody heard me say are not, say amen. They are not a picture of the church. The church is in here, but this is a picture of what goes on on planet earth in the absence of the kingdom that God promised David uh, that he would have a son to sit upon his throne forever. That's been postponed. It's going to be fulfilled. And as I have said that several times, I'll continue to say it in this series. 
In the parable of the sower, we learn the good news of the gospel. We'll have limited reception in the absence of the king. If you remember, the sower went forth sowing, and some seed fell upon four different types of soil that picture four different types of heart. And only one heart was ready to receive the word of God out of which it produced either 30, 60, or 100 fold. In the parable, in the parable of the tares, Jesus taught in the clearest terms that the children of the kingdom, the children of the devil, will exist on planet earth side by side until he returns. And the amazing thing about the tares is they look just almost exactly like um, the wheat. And sometimes, listen, y'all going to think I'm crazy in saying it, sometimes the tares act and look more like wheat than the wheat does. Now, you may think that you've lost it there, but a more, a more solid ground than what you think. In the parable of the mustard seed, we see the abnormal growth of Christendom, not the, new, not the true church. Remember, I told you last week that in this age, in Christendom, there is, and it's a, it's a, it's a uh, well, I forget what the word is again. What is that kind of thing that you give to somebody and you try to confuse them? It's not a parable, it's not a fable, not a paradox. It is that, but there's another word for it. Lord, I, I, a riddle. Thank you. I tried to remember that last week. I got it between last Sunday and today. I thought, all right, I'll remember it again. But this mine. It's a riddle. But in this age, friend, now listen, there is a church within the church that is the church. And I say glory to God for that. And it is that thing that's soon to go out of here. Amen. One day soon. So in the parable of the mustard seed, we see the abnormal growth of, of Christendom and the church and how it became. Now, here's what I, 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 had, I, I missed last week. It became a huge organization. It became such an organization. It was large enough to shelter all kinds of dirty birds and listen why, because these progressive churches that we have in our age have begun to operate as a business for the glory of man instead of the glory of God. And that fits right with the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 14 where he says unto the church of the Laodiceans. He addresses that one church out of the seven differently than does the other six. And he says to the church of the Laodiceans, which means the church ruled by the people or church of the people's rule. So it fits perfectly with that time. They operated it as a business to glorify man and not God. And their motivation is to satisfy the, the desires of man instead of do the will of God. And if you don't believe me, check me out on the seeker-sensitive, progressive uh, church age that we live in that was begun with Bill Hybels that went into the community in uh, the South Park of, of Chicago in, in uh, the Willow Creek area and put out questionnaires to people lost asking, what would you need us to do to get you to come to church? Hey, everybody listen to this old country preacher. They're so out of touch with, uh, with society but still in touch with the Word of God. That's not how church is to be done. 
We want you to be pleased. We want you to be welcome. We want you to be comfortable. But bless God, if you come here lost in need of a Savior, you ought, you, you ought to feel welcome, but you ought not always feel comfortable. Amen. In the Spirit. Look, let me give you one more thing. The parable of the mustard seed shows the outward display of the professing church. The parable of the leaven that we're going to look at today shows the inward decay of the church. You see, it's my opinion that these parables could, could be considered, this parable, these parables, especially the parable of the leaven, could be easy understood. And yet, friend, I'm sad to say, many good men have missed the clear, what I believe to be the clear meaning. This parable we're going to look at today does not break the pattern Christ established in the previous, in the previous parable. You say, what did you say that for? A lot of people will come to this parable this fourth parable in this, and instead of looking, friend, at how the devil is trying to destroy the church, they say, well, look, this is a picture of how the church is going to grow and just take over all the world. My little head, it is not. It is not. That's not what the intent of this is. This parable does not teach that the church will infiltrate and totally change the world for the glory of God, unfortunately. I want to quote from a great man by the name of John Phillips. If you have any of his commentaries, you're a blessed individual. I wrote him and thanked him for all the work that he did. He had passed uh, since, um, since, since, well, I got his books. Anyway, his wife responded to me in a five-page handwritten letter. I was so touched by that. And I quote John Phillips. Now listen to this. Please listen. Christianity was never designed to delight the flesh. The gospel is anything but appealing to the natural man, even though it is offered to us by a loving God. It begins with the assertion that people are lost in their sins and that they are hurrying on to their punishment in hell. The gospel continues by telling people that their own righteousness and imagined good works are filthy rags in the sight of God. It affirms that lost people are wholly incapable of producing anything morally and spiritually acceptable to God. The gospel goes on to insist on personal repentance from sin. It tells people that they must believe the gospel, accept Christ by faith, and be born again from above. And once they have been regenerated, they must mortify the deeds of the flesh, live holy lives in the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. No wonder the gospel is said. No wonder the gospel is unplatable to lost people. What this woman in this parable that we're going to look at in just a moment uh, has done is make more consumable by introducing Babylonian ideas that appeal to the religious side of man. Her doctrines are a corruption of faith, but they certainly appear to be more congenial to unregenerate man. And to that I say, Amen. I wish I could write like that. But since I can't, I can at least read. So, if you got a pencil and a piece of paper, I encourage you to get it out and write a few things. Now, if you take notes, write it on the back of the empty page in the bulletin. That's what I did on my announcement. But I'm going to give you some things kind of hurriedly to get in the message, get done as quickly as I can. Now, as we look at this particular parable, there's a few things that I believe would be helpful if we keep them in mind as we do. 
This woman that we find in this parable is a picture of something negative, ecclesiastically speaking. When a woman is pictured in the Word of God, and I didn't write this book, I'm just a messenger of this book, when a woman, and I'll give you a couple of passages to, to note that, you can be writing Revelation 2.20 down, the church of Thyatira, and, and it even mentions Jezebel when this woman, when a woman is pictured in an ecclesiastical or a, a spiritual a church situation, it's always in a negative sense. You say, why? Are y'all ready? If you are, say amen. If you're not going to get upset with me after I say it, say Amen. God has set an order in the church and the order is a man above a woman as Christ is above the man and God is above Christ. Y'all still love me now? Order is important. And if you read, and y'all ought to listen out there, if you read the requirements of a bishop and a deacon, they're a husband and one wife. Oh, I need more help on that. I, I'm going to try that. Hey, the requirements, the qualifications for a bishop and a deacon are the husband of one wife. Thank you, that's better. It's important, folks, that we stand on those things, Greg. Do y'all know we're living in the day and the rise? And, and look, it started in the 60s. I live it when, when they burned some of their lingerie and tried to, what they say, liberate woman. Y'all know that was the biggest lie, I think, that they fed y'all. They didn't liberate y'all. They captivated you. They imprisoned many of you all. Look at our families. Look at our nation. Look at our state. Look at our world. Because neither mom and dad are in the home. They're both absent. They've both been replaced by, by earphones, uh, iPad, uh, a handheld computer, music that's dead out of hell, Cinemax and Hell's box office, need I go on? They, they're mild nowadays to compare what you can click on. I didn't intend to get on that. Just sometimes it just happens. Listen, friend, we're, we're, we're up against it in, in, in this day. And look, if you look in 2 and 20 of the book of Revelation, the church of Thyatira, you'll find that God commended them in verse 19, but in verse 20, He condemned them because they suffered or allowed that woman Jezebel to teach that taught the people to commit fornication and to sacrifice things unto idols. In this day of the modern feminist movement, the great, uh, the great, what's what, what Spencer call it? You remember? The, something of the, of, of the, but anyway, it has to do with feminism trying to reach their height. Can I tell you, friend, listen, it breaks the laws of God. I, I, look, look, ladies, look, everybody listen. Everybody listen, I got to say this. When I talk about these kind of things, and the Bible said, ladies, you're to be subject or submissive to your husband. It's not about whether or not you have value. Your value is immense. We thank God. Everybody in here that's married, whether you're happily married or not, you're thankful for your wife. Say amen. It's not about how valuable you are. But it's about an order that God has established. And nothing can happen right without right order. 
When you have disorder, you have a mess. And there's a lot of it in America and throughout the world. We're not the only nation that's in disorder and disarray. And none of that is... <laughs> I love that quote. I'll, I'll, I'll quote that until I die. None of that was in my notes, Greg Carney. Alright, look. Let me give you something else. In the New Testament... How many times? Anybody know how many times leaven? Just the word leaven, not unleavened, but leaven is mentioned in the New Testament alone. Thirteen times. Now listen, thirteen is the number of rebellion according to the Word of God. And remember what I've told you during this study of the dispensations on Wednesday night? Every dispensation ends in rebellion or in apostasy. And this church age that we're in is neck deep in the apostasy that Paul spoke about in the book of 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3, 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. And that's where you get the definition of apostasy, biblically speaking. But the leaven speaks of sin. It speaks of corruption. I'll tell you more in a little bit. I'll tell you even how Jesus identified it. But it speaks of sin in the church according to the book of 1 Corinthians 5, 6, 7, and 8. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, 7, and 8. And false doctrine according to the book of Galatians chapter 5, verses 7, 8, and 9. Now look, look. Greg, how many of y'all in the Sunday school class upstairs, the adults, say amen? How many of you thought Greg Carney did a great job at that lesson? Say amen. And you know what? In some degree, listen now, and don't let me speak for you. You correct me. He wasn't apologizing for saying what he said. He was apologizing for having to say what he was saying. Is that a good way to say it? You see, I feel like that. Nobody really wants to say things that are real harsh that you may not be like for after you say it. But listen to me, somebody's got to take a stand. And why not me and you in this age? Now, won't make us popular. Won't make us popular. Joe Osteen, I think, has been on Oprah, but I'll never be. Oh, wait just a minute, I don't want to be. Amen. Leaven, Jesus said in the book of, of Matthew chapter 16 in verses 1 through 12 is a picture of the doctrine of three things, of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the Herodians. And friend, when you begin to think about it, here's the problem with the Pharisees. They were total hypocrites. 2 Timothy 3, 5, they had a form of godliness, but they denied the power thereof. And here was their problem. Here was their leaven. They rejected the Word of God for the Word of man. They put their traditions above the truths of God's Word. They added to God's Word. The Sadducees, let's go on. How many know why they were sad you see because they didn't believe in the resurrection you know what they did they were guilty of taking away from the word of God well there's a lot of that now y'all know what people are doing in these new in these new versions of the Bible they're taking out what they don't like remember we stand on the King James version it took them a long time and now they've got a queen James Version. Can y'all remember, can y'all imagine what they took out in that version of the Bible? Any reference to homosexuality. 
What a surprise. Now look, God didn't write this book to please man. He wrote this book to save man. He wrote it to please himself. And let me tell you, man can do whatever he wants to with the Word of God. It stands forever set on in heaven. Amen. I may go down, bless God, I don't think I will, by the way, but I'm going down on the Word. I said I may go down, I don't think I will. I'm standing though, I'll be going on the Word, amen. I have no place else to stand, that's my only hope. And we, we, listen, we live in a country that used to reverence the Word of God. Oh, wait just a minute, we live in a country where Christians used to reverence the Word of God. Well, isn't that, isn't that awful to have to say that? You know what people say now? And now you know, you'll, you'll get the book and just play this Bible. And I'll say, look, can you read that? And say, yeah. Yeah, preacher, I see what it says. I know what it says, but. But I know what I experienced. I know what I felt. I know what happened to me. Hey, let's get rid of this idea. Just, listen, it doesn't matter what you experience if it don't line up with the Word of God. Yeah, you had an experience, something happened, but don't check the Word of God on your experience. Examine your experience by the Word of God. Please, I beg of you. Oh, by the way, Andrew, Allie, I wasn't lying. I looked at him and said, look, I'm a dinosaur preacher, so. And the Herodians, you know what they, you know what their doctrine was? You know what their living was? Worldly. Lord, God of heaven, the church has become so worldly we can't hardly distinguish the world from the church. And G. Campbell Morgan, you've heard me quote him many times, this same quote, the world, the church did the world the most good when it was least like the world. Somebody say amen right there. How true that is. See, it's my opinion that we see all things and more manifesting themselves in this Christianity and contemporary in this contemporary Christianity. You see the philosophy, the secret sense of the progressive church. Now listen to this, and I'm about ready to get in my message. It's simply to make all things of Christ appealing. Can I tell you all something? This word all time isn't appealing. Now let me, let me, let me make a... This word appeals to me. I don't care what it is, but it's not always appealing to my flesh. It's not all easy to chew up and swallow. You ever get a piece of meat in your mouth, man, you're in, you're in a place kind of plush, and there's more gristle than there is meat, and you're, it, the more you chew it, the bigger it gets. You know what I've done? I don't care how fancy the place is. I just put my fingers in my mouth and throw it down on my plate now. I don't care what they think. I don't spit in my napkin and wad it up. I just pick it out and lay it down. I'm old enough, it don't matter anymore. We ought to do that spiritually speaking. And I'm going to tell you what, listen, friend. Whatever's in this Word of God, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every Word of God. You see, they do so by the aid. Now listen to this. Please listen. They do what they do in these progressive temporaries or contemporary sensitive seeker churches, they do it, the success it, that, that, that kind of helps it is their worldly music and entertainment. I used to play drums in a rock and roll band. 
Believe me when I, know the, when I tell you I know the power of a beat in music. And not all music is godly. It may move you. It may feel good to you. But just because it feels good to you doesn't mean it's good for you. That's good preaching right there. Can I tell you all something? I could get the most ungodly doctrine. Put it to good music and the right beat, and you'd be surprised. The people say, Whoa, I felt something on that song. Look here. Y'all see that? If music hits that before it hits this, it's the wrong kind. Y'all didn't like it. I'm going to try y'all out. If music hits that before it hits this, it's the wrong kind. I'm telling you, we're so messed up. We need to try the spirits. Test them to see whether they be of God. For there are many spirits in this world. You see, they downplay these churches, the need of self-denial and repentance. You, you know what you could hear all over the place on TV today? Joe Osteen says, well, you know, people, you know, they get criticized down so many ways and so by so many different people when they come to what is it Lakewood Church I want them to feel good about themselves. I want them to have a positive time I want, to, I want them to leave here feeling better about their self esteem hey look up here I could care deeply squat about your self esteem as long as your spirit is touched by the word of God now wait just a minute I'm a counselor so self esteem is important don't you take me wrong what I'm saying. I'm spiritually preaching. Self-esteem is important, but you go to a counselor to help your self-esteem. I'm here to help you spiritually down in the depths of your soul. If you want me to help you self-esteem, I'll meet with you. I've got some tricks and trades. But I'll tell you what, friend. People have got church, the idea of church, all wrong. Hey, newsflash. Some of you already know in the spirit what I'm going to say. We come here to worship Him, not them. Worship is about God. Amen. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get that. You see, they use leaven to make what is tasteless to the natural man platable. And in doing so, you know what they do? They forsake the apostles' doctrine, Acts 2, 42. And the faith once given to the saints, Jude, verse 3. So God help them and may God help us in these last days now here's the message and I'm going to be done very shortly I believe as I told you earlier in a comment or two ago that this may be the most misunderstood parable here and to me it seems to be the easiest I forget how many words there is in them in it somebody write them and shout it out or count them and shout it out here in a minute but listen, friend, listen. If we, if we apply the study principle the Spirit of God has given to us to understand and write and divide the Word of God, we can understand this parable. A clear understanding of this parable, friend, listen, is important. One of those laws of interpreting the Scripture rightly, rightly dividing the Scripture, 2 Timothy 2.15, is by applying the law, a hermeneutical law, or the science of studying the Word of God so that we can understand it. The law of first mention. And here's the law of first mention, simply spoken by T.K. Price. 
The first place you find something in the Word of God and you dig out and come to understand its definition, it follows that definition every other use throughout the entire Word of God. Listen, I believe leaven or unleavened something is used like 51, 61 times in the Word of God. And y'all know the only place when expositors try to deal with leaven and, and, and uh, instead of calling it sin and ungodliness and corruption and false doctrine and uh, uh, that kind of stuff is this verse that's before us. That's not the right way to interpret the Word of God. You say, well, preacher, it doesn't feel good if I say that leaven, that, that woman... And, and all, what she's doing to the meal is, is corruption, it's deceit. That's going to grow instead of the... I don't care what it feels like. We're after truth. If that's true, say amen. I like feeling good, don't you? How many of y'all like feeling good? Say amen. Do you know what? I like truth better than feeling good. I'd rather come here and get the truth than getting something that leads, lets me go home feeling good. Now that's the truth, folks. I want the truth to say why. I'm going to face it in judgment. And it's the truth the Word of God says that will set you free. You see, this parable doesn't show the growth of Christianity to where it fills all the world. Because none of that fits in this parable, and I'll show you why. But it does show the effect of false doctrine and teachings and the apostasy we are currently experiencing in our day and is continually enlarging. Let's read that verse again. Let me share some things with you and then I'll preach and I'm about done. I'm closer to being done than I thought it would be. Another parable he spake unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven. You know what leaven is? According to Unger's Bible Dictionary, leaven causes disintegration and corruption. It's a symbol. It, it, symbolize, it symbolizes evil and the energy of sin. Look, friend, let me tell you again, leaven always typifies sin, corruption, uncleanliness, without exception. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. That's why when we here at Roxland Gospel Tabernacle participate in communion, we eat unleavened wafers and unfermented grape juice. Don't have to worry about coming to this church I haven't asked the ushers if you want fermented or unfermented wine. Dude, what kind of church does that? And I've been to them that does. God, help. Does anybody believe there was any sin in Jesus? He was the sinless Son of God. He was tempted for 40 days not to see whether he would sin, but to prove that he could not sin. He could not sin because he had no sin nature in him. We're, people are so silly because they don't believe the truths of the Word of God. So look, let me tell you something about, else about leaven. How many of y'all like flat biscuits? Say amen. You remember back in the days when mommy was cooking a cake? If you make this cake fall, I'll make you fall. Yeah, on your knees and beg for mercy was the unresponse spoken. Y'all remember that? They'd put the cake in the oven, you know, they'd, they'd mixed all that up by hand. It, it was more making a cake than opening a box, putting two eggs in it, a little bit of oil and water, y'all know? But those are good cakes, now don't y'all take me wrong, they're good. 
I don't mean it that way. Save a lot of money. Y'all remember that? And, and when you make biscuits, now you'd you'd put you'd little you'd use just regular flour. We use self-rising nuts and cream make the best. But but you used to have to put uh, used to have to put uh, soda in it or not, baking soda plus uh, baking powder and a little salt. And you know what they did? They all set this one. Just get self-rising flour and forget about it. You hear? Save it. Man, you put that thing in the oven and they begin to raise up. Man, they're good when they got a little leaven in it, right? Y'all know that's what the world, that's what the, much of the church is trying to do today to make the Word of God palatable to the world. When I got saved, I wanted to get out of the world, Greg. I wanted a new beginning. I'd had enough of that rock gut of hell. I wanted something new, friend. And I got it and was made it in Christ Jesus. Now look, you know what leaven will do? Leavening is an amazing thing. I don't care how much leaven you put in. I don't know how, I don't care how much flour you have. When you put a little leaven in it, you know what it'll do? Every particle of flour that that leaven touches, I've had this definition for, for years and years and years, it has the power, it has an innate power in it to transform every particle that it comes into contact with into like particles of itself. Isn't that good? It's a good way to explain that. You'd think because the flour was so great in capacity, it would overwhelm and overcome the leaven, not so. That sour dough has the ability and the power to change everything that it comes in contact with. So this woman, she was dealing with the leaven. And listen now, I already made mention of that woman, and look what she did with it. She hid it. If this was all well and good, why was she hiding it? Why is there a message of subversion in this? Why was she trying to sneak it in? Why was she trying not to let anybody know? Y'all know what what the apostates do in this day? You know what Jude describes them as? Creeps. You say, preacher, I've never read the word creep in the Bible as far as relation to men. So they creep in, so if they creep in, they're creeps. That's good Bible exegesis, by the way. T.K. Price, but anyway, it's good exactly right can I tell you what they're not interested you know a hireling is not interested in the flock you know what a hireling is interested in he's interested in the hireling God never intended back to the mustard seed parable Bible never God never intended for the church to become the business that it is you know what if I was Jesse Duplantis and thank God I am not by the way I'd be up here hitting y'all up for the fourth jet airplane. And if you were part of Jesse Duplantis Church, you'd be silly enough to make sure I got it. Do y'all know that the Roman Catholic Church, by the way, it's filled with hypocrisy and idolatry. Y'all did know that. David, would you like to say amen there? I got to talk, thinking about him and his testimony. I could have added something to it. Before he came here, he's going to purgatory. Now he's going to heaven. Amen. That's what he was taught, wasn't it, David? I'm glad you didn't come to me and ask you to pay your way out there. I didn't have the money to get you, dude. 
I mean to tell you, folks, we're, we're up against it. I, I mean, look, I, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with TV evangelists, radio ministries. I've got one myself. But I'm going to tell you what, when I started the little radio ministry, I did, and I know I, know I don't have the personality, the looks, the style, the oration, the ability, the wisdom, all to do success like these others do. But I'll tell you what I told God. I said, if you don't supply the money for it, I said, I can't do it. And I was just simply out to get the gospel out, nothing more. Now look, friend, look, it's grown. The, the, the Catholic Church has its own money, has its own bank. It is recognized by the nation of the world. And if you want to read Revelation 17, you'll see that that great whore riding the back of the beast gets taken care of by God in the end. I say glory to God for that. Well, let me get done. Are y'all still with me? Have I lost it? Okay. So we've already looked at the Pharisees. You see, they were really about externalism. They, they were really all about robes and plactories and, and uh, borders on their garments, being called, you know, something special out in public. Y'all know that's what 2 Timothy 3.5 says. Greg quoted it. In the, in the peerless time days that we're living in, there'll be a lot of people that have a form of godliness but they deny the power they'll go to church on Sunday morning they'll be up on their feet their hands up and they'll be bobbing up and down lights are flashing smut can't do this long uh, lights flashing you know what I'm saying why do you want to go into a place and they turn the auditorium lights down and keep the stage lights up can, can I tell you what the answer is they got you in there to entertain you Y'all know what we want to do here? We want to worship together. It's not about us and you. It's about us. I mean, that's what it's about. I mean, I mean, I mean I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to edify you by the grace of God. You know what the Sadducees did? They were skeptics. They denied about, that, about everything. And you know what the big trouble with the the Sadducees was, here you are, Greg, they laid aside doctrine. They laid aside doctrine. Can I tell you, friend, resurrection is one of the cardinal doctrines of the Christian church. We wouldn't be here without an empty tomb. We wouldn't be here without a message of death, burial, and resurrection. I mentioned Hymenius and Philetus to you last week. Paul said he delivered them over to Satan uh, uh, because till they learn not to blaspheme, I think it says, because they denied the, the, the doctrine of resurrection. And you know what the Herodians were? Their problem, friend, listen, they had compromise. What's it say again, Greg? Come ye out. Maybe I ought to do a maybe I ought to do a What's it called? When, when not, I don't want to mock somebody. That's not what the word I'm after. But when, when somebody is mimicking somebody, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know where he's dead or not. But there, y'all has see what Lord? What is his name? I can see his face. He's dead now. But uh, anyway, he was famous for saying, "Come out! Come out! Come out! You vile devil!" <laughs> Can't think of his name now. Who? Ernest Ainsley. That's him exactly. He was famous for hills, by the way. 
Y'all have heard Hill's department store. Healings. He was famous for Hills, but never mind. What I have to explain it, it's no good. No, it's not as funny. I'm going to have to get me a new joke writer, I guess. But, but the Herodians, had they were all about the world, the here and the now. Y'all know what? A songwriter had it right and says, I'm getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready to leave this world of sorrow. I'm getting ready for the gates unfurled, keeping my records right, watching both day and night. I'm getting ready to leave this world. Come on, Judy, where she at? Bev, wherever, whoever. Judy's back up here now. You see, one of the things that a preacher in touch with the Word of God and the Spirit of God knows that according to 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, 5th chapter of Galatians 9. Now listen, everybody please listen. A little leaven, leaven at the whole. When you begin to look at the meal, it's a picture, I think, of the Word of God. You see, the Word of God was in the first parable pictured as the seed sown by the sower. And if you take that seed, the wheat that is produced by that, you grind it up, you get meal that can be offered as, as a, quote, meal, a meat offering, but it was an offering of meal to God. And that was never to be offered, never to be offered with any leaven. Now there were times that that meal was to be used to bake cakes and make bread and in two, in two sacrifices, one being on the day of Pentecost, the two loaves that, that represent the Jew and the Gentile coming together, making up the church, they were to have leaven in them. They were a picture of the church. But that leaven in them was put in an oven, and it was stilled. It was stopped. It was judged. When there was a trespass offering, there was to be leaven offered in it. Because that speaks of sin that we have. But when you offer the meal offering, it was to be offered with every offering, if I remember correctly. I haven't studied it out in a while. But if my memory is correct, it was never to have any leaven in it because it was a picture of two things, Christ, the living Word, and the written Word. This Word is amazing. Would you tell me in that text today, it all comes together, it's beautiful. can't remember how you wrote it, but that's exactly the idea. Folks, I want look, I, I want us to be ready when Jesus comes. And listen, I'll close on this. You say, how would it be ready? Everybody take your Bible, turn to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3 with me. Please turn there. We're going to get some scripture. Brother Greg has already read. <laughs> Told you it dovetailed, Greg. I'm going to pick it up reading in verse 13 because I like verse 13 so much. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. What's the next word? But, my favorite word in the Bible. On the other hand, listen now. Hey, hey look, folks, it's bad. But I'm optimistic. You say, we're going to quit. Why, Lord, have mercy. No, we're not going to quit. We ought to just get fired up. We ought to just get stirred up. But we ought, to, we ought to be ready to stand up, speak up, move up, whatever the case may be. He said, but continue thou in the things that thou hast heard. Listen to that now. And has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast heard them, 
and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture. Now you're under a great disadvantage if you don't have a King James Bible. Because your Bible may say all scripture that is inspired. We believe all scripture is inspired. All scripture is inspired or God breathed of God given by the inspiration of God is profitable for what? Doctrine. Doctrine. There's another list, Greg, that comes first in. For reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Parable of the leaven. 